Hello, Gav here. Welcome back to another Gas It Out episode. We finally managed to track Jack Miller down uh, before the start of the 2020 MotoGP season. We recorded it actually a week before the start of the season uh, when he just made it to Andorra from Australia after spending the lockdown there. Uh, and uh, as you might expect from Jack and uh, especially from Neil Hodgson, there's a little bit of colourful language here and there, but nothing too dramatic, but some really fun stuff. I hope you enjoy this one. Oh, sorry. Did I, did I just uh, is that Duke Ducardi? Ducardi. 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 Awesome. Mm. That's awesome. Yeah. Ducardi. Wonderful. Uh, um, how, are you, how are you doing, Neil? Um, it's, it's nice to uh, to see you looking uh, like you're outside you the tropical gardens there. Are you gas? I've been doing the garden. Is that you have, do you have an outside bit in your house actually? I've only seen oh. the set. All I've seen in the last uh, sex lockdown is the sex sofa and the vast kitchen that echoes like the inside of St. Paul's Cathedral. I've got a sex sofa and a garden. That's how flash I am, Gav. Uh, just welcome. look behind. Just look behind me. People, obviously, the majority of people who will be listening to this won't be able to appreciate this beautifully shaped bush over my left shoulder which was trimmed by the one and only me. Oh, but come on then, you listen to this now. You're driving you your car. You... I'm just thinking you listen to this and people, are, people have on. got all sorts of imagery in their head, depending actually on their own dirty minds. <laughs> yeah, I mean, who though? Like, you, let's say you're having a jog now, you're having a run and you're thinking, oh, I'll listen to Neil and Gav. But think about this, what I'm going to say. Who doesn't like a freshly trimmed bush? Who? I'm just going to ask. I'm putting it out there. You know who though? Who? No, there's no one. Gab, stop it, shaking your head. Is it privet? Is it privet that you've manicured? So it's so what it is. It's bloody lovely. It is actually. Yeah, it's bulbous. Yeah. Bulbous. It's, yeah, it's very nice. One of the that's I a bit bul- That's that's a little Weird bit. Up. That's a little bit spiky behind it as well. That other bit. Yeah. Um, yeah. Welcome back to Gas It Out, ladies and gentlemen. Um, we are on a drizzly day here in the UK today. Uh, I don't know where it is, whether it is where you are, but drizzly here, Neil, up, uh, up north in Leeds. If you can hear any noise in the background, I apologise in advance. Seems I'm doing it every week, but I got uh, gardeners in at the moment. Oh, do you know what they've got in the garden? Proper excitement when they turned up with it today. They've got a ride-on digger, but like a one-man ride-on digger, and like a one-man steamroller I suppose it is but like and they've got like these three bits of equipment and one's like a a ride on wheelbarrow sort of thing but the the ride on diggers got me giddy in fact the neighbor's little boy who must be about two or three so cute came out to watch and he got his own little digger out of the shed (laughs) it was quite cute actually uh but so, so yeah that's the noises that you might be able to hear in the background but it's not a nice day but it should be a great day because it's one we've been waiting for for a long time which is finally we get the chance to speak to jacinda miller shortened to jack uh you probably didn't know that he's a long version of his name but uh we get we get to speak to jack he's now made it over to europe uh so anyone who is sensitive of the swearing variety 
Um, Jack has tidied up and cleaned up his act a little bit in uh, recent years, but I expect an exclusive or two. I expect that Neil Hodgson at some point will be called a wanker. Yeah, I, I'm guessing. He might I even probably open will as well. <laughs> I probably yeah. will as well. I'd be shocked if he didn't open with, ah, you're right there, wanker. Yeah, pretty much pair every, of wankers will be. every time I see him in the paddock, <laughs> that's when he walks past me and you. What, usually when we're live on air, he'll, he'll go past on the scooter. Go past go, on the scooter, he's, yeah. he'll flick your ear, he'll grab you by the balls, he'll do something, and uh, usually while you are trying to discuss a serious topic, uh, something. But yeah, so we look forward to speaking to Jack. I just want to um, get a couple of thoughts. Um, season's getting very much closer, Neil, on a couple of things that are going on. Uh, at the moment in the sport. Um, one of those is something we've talked about on the last couple of pods is about Andrea Dovizioso. Talks now that he may be ready to take a sabbatical from the sport for a year. Uh, basically, it's um, meet my wage demands or I'm, I'm not playing ball. Mm. Uh, who's got the strong suit here? Him or Ducati? Well, the, 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 the question is, if they don't have Davizio, so who they're going to have? The only person that you would spring to mind where you go, an obvious one, you know, you need you need to replace Davizio so with like for like. Who can win Grand Prix races for you? Well, there's only one person, and he retired at the end of last year. I thought about to say yourself then. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so he's got a Ducati then, t-shirt on as well, by the way. For those of here's you one for you though. <laughs> I was I was thinking this, Gav. If they can't meet Davizioso's wage demands, there's one thing I know for sure. They're going to be nowhere near Lorenzo's. Now, bear in mind the That's a good point, or... actually. I hadn't thought about it yeah. like that, I have to say. I, I, I thought uh, Lorenzo might want to, to find a way back. But if, the, if, if money is becoming an issue, do you spare a little bit more for Jorge than you do for Dovi? Well, no. No. Right. Yeah, no, I just that's you know. I... So so, but what what? Okay, so we're going to be speaking speaking to his teammate uh, for next year in theory. Or sorry, one half of the Ducati camp, shall we say? So, uh, who? Can you hear me, Gabla? I I can hear you now. So you must have just popped yeah. out. So I just kept yes. talking to fill in the gap. You know. Okay. Uh, yeah. Well, they spent they spent they spent thirty million on Lorenzo before, basically. So that we were told it was fifteen million a year. They're now, they're now attempting to pay Davizioso, who's finished second in the world three times. What, what's the figures we're hearing? Three, four million for the year? Mm. He, had, he had been up, hadn't he, in that time? He'd uh, been up to about eight million, but they're trying to pay him less now, aren't they? But, mm. uh, yeah. That'd be interesting. They should, they should pay Dovi his, uh, his stock value, which is about, it might not be eight, but it'll certainly be six. Yeah. Uh, what what would you say then? There's a lot of talk at the moment about Cal Crutchlow uh, moving out from LCR Honda. Looks more and more likely that's going to happen. Um, Aprilia seems like one of the possible destinations. Him and Bradley Smith are both going to be want to be in that slot. Still, we don't know what's going to happen with Andrea Iannone. So, uh, would Ducati ever go back to Cal? Is that something you could ever see happening? No. That wasn't the I internet connection see. dropping out. That no, no, no. A puffed out cheek of, uh, of Neil Hodgson oh, making good no. radio. <laughs> yeah. I can't see it happening. I can't. No. But then if they don't, if, you know, if, if nobody blinks in the Davizioso Ducati 
you know, head-to-head battle over, you know, how much Dovey deserves to get paid, they are going to have to get someone who, who's good. <laughs> and Cal Crutchlow is certainly capable of being right up there. We know that, obviously, he's won races, he's been on the podium every and, year. And, and his time at the Catty wasn't the easiest, but um, actually the odd decent result, but it ended a year in, a bit like other people's have uh, that have been through the Catty. Um, and yeah, it ended a, a year into it, but the bike was a long way away from where it is now. Yeah, yeah, the bike's much better, much better now. So I can't see them going for Carl, but actually, the more I think about it, I'm convincing myself. It, who else are you going to go for? Yeah, I mean, you know, a, I, it'd have to be someone like a Banyaya, wouldn't it? Or something like that, which you would say yeah. isn't quite ready at, at this moment in time. It's, it's really uh, an interesting time. And uh, the way I see it is Dovey will be there. Uh, it's just, it's hard. Yeah, that's the way I bo- see it as well. Hardball from both sides trying to find a, a, a middle ground that's suitable for both. What about yeah. in World Superbikes? Uh, Michael van der Mark has left Yamaha, or will do at the end of the year. He's going to join BMW. That opens up a slot there. Loads of people are uh, speculating about who might go there, whether it be the likes of Loris Baz, Cameron Bobier, and I'm sure there's other names you'd want to throw into the mix there. Uh, but that opens up a slot at a team, which looks like with Toprak and, well, with Mickey himself and with Alex Lowe's in the past, has, has been getting right into a stage where it's going to be challenging. Yeah, I mean, the Yamaha team, I know it very well, obviously, through mm. the slows. And um, watching that team grow, it's been impressive. You know, the work ethic from everyone behind the scenes at Yamaha, everybody works hard. You know, teams run by Paul Denning. He literally is a workaholic. You know, no stone is left unturned. He puts a lot of effort into it. And he's got himself in a position where he's two very good riders that are both capable of winning, obviously, this year with, with Toprak and Vandermark. Bit of a surprise that he's left, to be honest. I think there might be a little bit of um, Toprak's come in and, and he won the first race and everyone, everyone's like, oh, this, this kid's so talented. You know, reading between the lines, has he been offered, was he offered a deal off Yamaha? That wasn't great. I'm talking about Vandermark. Yeah. You know. Um, I'm feeling undervalued sort of a little rumor- bit. Yeah, the rumours I'm hearing, that's what basically that's what I've been told. So, <laughs> so I don't mind <laughs> yeah, you I don't mind dancing, just saying it. Brilliant. Dancing around I'm that dancing like, around it. Then and I'm thinking, do you know what I actually thought? I, actually, I was halfway through <laughs> saying it. Then I'm thinking, it's our podcast. We can just be honest. Uh, so, yeah, I'd heard, I'd heard he'd been offered not a lot, not um, quite a chunk less than what he was already on. And he's gone, hang on a minute. Vandermark's a great rider. He's going to finish top, minimum top five, potentially top three in the world. I deserve a, you know, a certain level of a financial package. He hasn't been offered it. He's looked elsewhere. And BMW have snapped his arm off it. That's what it sounds like. Yeah. I don't think it'd have been Michael's choice to leave. I don't think he'd have been thinking, oh, yeah, I need to get away from Yamaha because the bike's good, the team's good. But also, then you look at BMW, it's, it's still growing, isn't it? Mm. You know, you see... It's quite easy to forget. Tom Sykes led a lot of the laps at the first round in Australia. It was only near the end of the race when his rear tyre sort of didn't quite uh, last. The bike looks good. It turns. It's fast. So it's a good signing for BMW. It's a loss for Yamaha, definitely. Because yeah. whoever you're replacing with isn't going to be as good as him. That's my. That's how much I rate Vandermark. Unless. Because if you put Baz on, yeah. Baz is a good rider, but I, I rate Vandermark more. If you put um, Cameron... Burbier on. I, I, don't, I don't, I rate Vandermark a lot. Mm. 
Yeah, it will be interesting, and uh, who knows what what positions, what people there might be who are free in MotoGP or free in other areas who might want to go, or other other manufacturers. It will be interesting to see over the next few weeks. All these deals yeah. getting done before the start of the season. One of them is for Jack Miller, who will be a factory Ducati rider uh, for next year, who we are hoping uh, finds his way onto this call and is able to speak to us today. It's uh, Shall we talk about trying to get him on the podcast? It's been interesting. We've, I mean, it's this been, has been, it's been a journey, back. hasn't it? Yeah, I spoke to Jack. Uh, well, we did our greatest race show on BT right as soon as lockdown started. We were right on it. And Jack was one of the first people we spoke to. And I'll text and message Jack over race weekend. Generally, he's the worst person getting back. Usually he's left his phone in his motor home. He, he loses about 10 a year, or used to anyway. And most of the time, he just doesn't have it with him now. Um, down in Australia, it was lockdown. He was spending most of the time building a motocross track. I, he was like, yeah, no problem. Come on, whatever you want. Spoke to him. Yeah, yeah, whenever you want. And then just radio silence constantly. Every time it's like a week between messages and... Uh, so then we went through uh, his, through Akiyo's side, his management, through his pals. Uh, then you decided to go my route and went through the team. <laughs> yeah, I went the route that we normally don't go. So I ended up dealing with this um, a Jack's PR girl who was lovely. She couldn't have been more helpful, to be honest. Who then eventually put me onto Jack's sort of right hand man. He's like back to where who we then eventually, <laughs> I, And then eventually put me onto Jack. And Jack's like, Jack's like, yeah, no problem. And then <laughs> so I got up. And, and this is what it was like though. I'd be like, oh, good. Can you do tomorrow? Then you're not hearing anything for six hours. You know, and it was just like this. It's just so, it was just, it was just funny. We're like, bloody hell, we've been trying to get Jack for like three months. Uh, he's elusive. So, he's elusive, but um, hopefully with great value. He's, um, He's come on leaps and bounds, hasn't he, really, since, um, well, since he stepped into Moto3 originally, um, when he was oh, he coming to the German Championship, finally moved over there, uh, challenged for the championship a couple of years later with Akiayo's team, battling Alex Marquez, which is an interesting dynamic, actually, if, uh, looking at where we're going in the next uh, couple of MotoGP seasons. Uh, had his, went straight up into MotoGP after that, no motor two time, which was a big leap, and we got a three year contract with Honda, and then has ended up at the Gatian Primac, where we start to see the best of him. He's won a Grand Prix in that time. He is the character of the paddock, popular pretty mm. much across the board. Um, used to be a bit wild, still wild as a character, but is a focused professional now, isn't he, Neil? Mm. He's, he's mm. come on. It's been great for me and yourself to watch him develop, hasn't it, over the years and grow up? Yeah, it's funny because we've watched him develop, but his core personality has never changed. No. His love for the sports never changed, you know. And he is, he's a standout personality in that paddock. You know, it's a serious place. You, you get to MotoGP, you know you're riding against 22 of the best riders in the world. And there's a lot of pressure. All eyes are on you. But all the way through that, this wild young Australian kid has, has kept that happy-go-lucky, nice to be around, zero ego. And it, I think because of that, we personally love the kid, but the whole paddock does. The whole paddock wants him to do well, wants him to have major success. And I tell you what, he's getting there. He's getting there. He, he did do it the hard way, like you said. He didn't do Moto2, straight from Moto3 onto that customer Honda, which was not the bike to be on. And he had three long years on that, didn't he? So, 
but then he's here. And he's and he's hopefully going to be on the other end. I'm going to press admit to uh, Jack. Let's have him on. And let's hope that uh, he does actually he turn up. And we are. There we go. We have the boy. There he is. He's got zero hair for those of us who uh, can see him. He said that all that's gone. That's gone. um, Give myself a haircut. You did it. You did it. Yeah. With the bit, or was that was that with a? Nah, nah, just with the um, just with the the haircut. uh, What do you call it? The clippers, Clippers. but just no blade on. No, no, no cover. I'm gonna have to do that sooner rather than later. Just get down. (laughs) Um, Also, exactly. I just gotta watch that solar panel. (laughs) Jack, it is uh, great to hear from you and to to see you too. How are you doing? How's Andorra? Yeah, good mate, good. I just um I was a little late. I was on the phone to uh to Crutchbeast. Oh, what can you tell no, us? Have you been getting some yeah, gossip? What's, no, what? what's, what's he saying? What's he got to say? Trying to con him into being trying to con him into being my new teammate, but we'll like to see. <laughs> uh, we hey, just don't know too. if he could deal with that again. No, well, could he? Could he? I don't know. Could any of us deal with the pair of you put together, put in the same hat? <laughs> I mean, that would be hey, I tell you what, if it doesn't work out, it'd be a bloody good spotter. Imagine having Cal in your corner, he'd be good. <laughs> hey, he could polish hey, your helmet hey. up a tree, I reckon. <laughs> more thinking agent, agent. Oh, it'd be brutal. It'd he would be brutal. Agent. <laughs> yeah, you'd either be you'd either be the richest rider or you wouldn't have a ride. I don't know, because there'd be no yeah, there'd be no middle ground with Cal, would there? <laughs> There'd exactly be, meet, there'd be exactly meetings not. with top brass. There would be papers flying, without a doubt. At some point, there'd be tables being hit and papers yeah. flying at some point in some meeting. <laughs> um, Jack, nah, not, not um, we, we, we were actually just talking about that, and I know you, you can't say anything, but congratulations. Before the season's even started, on the new deal, on becoming a factory rider, I know you mentioned it already, but... Chuffed for you, and uh, we've just been talking about the long road that it's uh, been for you going through, and the the way you've grown up through the sport, through missing out on Moto Two and everything. And you'll be a factory rider in in Moto GP next season. I know we've got a, another weird season. We'll talk about that in a bit. But how does it feel to put that ink and have it dried on on that bit of paper that that means that I don't know. Part of your dreams, I'm sure, being realised. Yeah, definitely. I think um, it won't fully sink in probably until, you know, we step into the garage and, and put on those nice red leathers and uh, and that sort of thing. But, um, you know, it's just kind of weird at the minute because uh, with the situation and everything, not even having a race done this year, so to have already be thinking or, you know, trying to think about 21 is, is kind of strange. but. Um, no, I mean, uh, you know, it's a massive, massive uh, goal kick for me to be able to finally do that. Um, you know, it's taken a lot of uh, a lot of hard work and a lot of time, uh, probably longer than I expected, but uh, nevertheless, we're there now, so that's all that matters. And when, when did you know, Jack? Was this something that you knew was going to happen, or was it like, like almost was reported in the press? It, it was... Who's going to get the ride? It seemed like a sort of last minute. 
Um, you know, I, I was back in Oz and um, I was getting, uh, you know, there was a lot of stuff getting around on the press, not so much about me, just about other things in, in, in happening, you know, um, people moving and, and stuff like that. And I was like, sort of, I almost got a little bit, let's say like pissed a little bit because I was like, I haven't heard anything, nothing. So I said, sent the boys from, from Ducati a message and I said, what's going on? Are we going to start moving our asses here? Because I mean, everyone else has done a contract and you know, we're still waiting. Um, and I, I was like, well, what's the go? And they're like, you know, da, 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 we haven't been to work and everything like that. But then probably within two weeks, so probably about a week before you guys found out, I found out and like, you know, they sent through the first proposal and a little back and forth and then pretty much straight away done. Just to explain, it'd be quite interesting, I think, how that, how that sort of works. Are you directly involved? Is it all through your manager? Do you just sit back and say, look, you sort it, you know, basically, I want to ride for I want to ride for the factory team. You know roughly what I want financially. How, how does it work? Yeah, pretty much like that. But of course, I mean, when things start, there's still a human aspect of it there. That um, I think uh, you know the teams, teams, well, teams and and factories. I think like it um, to have that sort of human aspect of it. You know where a rider they see that a rider's king, you can't be calling. I'm not the guy to be calling. I mean, you guys know me with my telephone. I'm not going to be the guy calling anybody or doing too much. But when time push comes to shove and, you know, my job's online, I'm going to send a message and say, hey, what, what's going on here? Are we moving forward with this? Or uh, or do we need to start looking elsewhere? Because, you know, I'm not getting the bet, you know, the clearest feedback from Aki of what's actually going down. So what's the deal sort of thing so I think it's good for a ride I think it's good for a ride to sort of stay out of it as much as possible but mm. you also do have to put your nose in there every now and then I mean all the other guys are doing it so you've got to do it but who do you text are you texting the boss man Claudio Domenicali or are you at Paolo Ciabatti or Davide Tardotzi or do you, oh, you just and, and Paolo not, yeah, it's not like a group. Not like a group group message. Yeah, no, you're not yeah, yeah, yeah. He's one. sending a gif of uh, <laughs> <some> funny things. <laughs> Signed. Wolf of Wall Street. There, just making it rain. Cockshot goes to the wrong man. Oh, I'm sorry. It went. Oh, that was possible. Sorry, guys. <laughs> what? Uh, uh. <laughs> 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 that one was <laughs> You do like it, Gav. When I send them, though, don't you? You I, do. I actually asked for more. Gav. I was like, I don't know if he's sent to me. Well, but sending them as well. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I was the only one. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, it's a massive, it is a massive deal, uh, we know. But there's a, it, does it, did it feel weird uh, coming to an agreement without a wheel having turned? Did it... Did, did, I don't know, did you feel like I want oh, I want to show a bit more of what I'm going to be capable yeah. of? Or? Well, no, not particularly. I mean, for sure. I mean, we all want to show more. I mean, the more you can show, the more in turn you can get a sign-on sort of thing. And uh, But, you know, I wasn't at this point, and like I said to the, to the boys, I'm not chasing, I'm not asking for, you know, a Lorenzo salary or anything like that. I'm just asking to get on that bike. You know, I'm not going there mm. for free on them be paid but not 
stupid and man and what what's fair if you go into a factory team for as a you know a young young guy but um you know it did feel weird um but it's nice to have that monkey off the back you know i'm normally uh going into the summer breaks all around this time sort of doing deals and uh to have it done already and um and you know just have my head clear on what we need to do this year with the with the Pramac team, I think is is pretty good as well. You know, the the mind's clear. I know what what the plan is, where I'm going, and uh, you know, a, a little bit, let's say, of uh, stability, so you can just sort of focus on what you need to do for this year. You know what? Hey, you, I tell you what, though, um, Gav, how important were those last races of, of of last season? You know, you ended so strong at the time. It's important to finish the season strong, but you just didn't realise. Obviously, no one knew what was going to happen. Obviously, with this season not happening up to this point, like those last three rounds were fantastic, weren't they for you? Yeah, definitely. I think for the whole second half of the season, you know, we had a couple bad races like uh, Mizana and a, and a few. You know, there would be another two or three probably in there. But apart from that, you know, my second half of the season was 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 massive, and uh, you know, I generally do go stronger in the last you know, rounds, it's somewhere, I don't know what it is, if I can see the light at the end of the tunnel, the, the off-season coming or what, but uh, I seem to always sort of excel in those last rounds, and um, and yeah, I think it was a combination of, you know, the tracks that I like, feeling good on the bike, and, and uh, just experience as well, I think all sort of mm. came together, and I was able to, to, to have a, a great ending of the season, and like you say, no one knew it at the time how important it would be, but uh, do I think I'd be in this position if my end of season, you know, been sort of similar to the start of the season? I don't think so. Mm, um, yeah. it, it looks Incredible, to me like what you put it this way: I wouldn't be sending out messages and that. You know, I'd, you'd be keeping quiet and just hoping you got a job for the next year. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so true, so true. And but Jack, like the the Pramac team, you mentioned it, and obviously you're going to be riding for them again this year. Um, they we enjoy the time we spend with anyone in that team. It looks like a really great environment. It looks like one that really suits you, actually. Um, and I'm sure you won't mind, though, saying goodbye to go to the factory team at all. But it, it looks like a, a fun place to be, but a place where there's there's a bit of both. There's a bit of, come on, let's have a good time. We're, we're living the dream in racing in MotoGP, but we can get the job done when we want. Is that is that what it feels like to, to race for uh, Paolo yeah. Campinotti and Francesco Guidotti and that? Definitely. I mean, um, you know, both, I've seen both sides of it. You know, we've had the, the greatest of ups, but also like, I mean, um, you know, and even at the end of the season, like 2019, uh, sorry, 18 at the end of the season when I was um, in the front group fighting for the win with Danilo and uh, Aquaplane and Highside and I went nuts and, you know, it was like, you know, the track's too wet. And, you know, they, they got 100% serious with me. This is it. There's other guys still on the track. You crashed out. This is your fault. Own it. Like, they're 100% serious when it comes to the racing side of things and also with everything, helping riders, you know, taking me to, I've been to, you know, their mental, let's say, like, trainers there in Italy and, and stuff like that. You know, they are really serious about getting results, but they are also like you say, a fun-loving team. They love to have a good time. They like to see the rider involved with the team and, and have this sort of 
family environment, like you say, I think it's the perfect balance. They've really got it sussed out, the perfect balance, both with Francesco. I mean, he runs a great show, and, and Paolo is just an amazing team owner. Yeah, he's a so character. Got he's a character and a half, is Paolo, isn't exactly. he? <laughs> they've got really the balance between work and play, um, work, work and play cut out really well. And, uh, you know, once you get warmed up in that team, I mean, it is by far the greatest team I've been in in MotoGP so far. You know, we, you know, the, everything's not, they don't have the, the, you know, the bike is, you're getting the maximum you can get for what what they've got, you know. Um, anything that they can get you, they will. If it's, you know, and even if it is difficult for them to get, they'll find a way and get you it. There, you know, that we have a great environment in the hospitality or something like that, but it's probably not the biggest or flashiest hospitality in the thing, but it does the job, you know. They're, they're very conservative like that where their minds are in the right spot to have the right balance between what we're actually here for, which is to race motorcycles. Was it, Neil, I was wondering for you if it had been the environment you'd have thrived in in, in your career. And I, I, for me, it seems like it, it suits Jack in a way in the way that he's described it in terms of a team. But would, you, would it have been your cup of tea? It, it would. And it's a little bit like when I was with the GSE team racing in World Superbikes, which was like, you got like a year old bike, but it was like a nice team around you. But mm. what was, what happens, you get to a point where you go, I'm not too bothered now about having the nice team around me. I want the best of the best. And even though I know there's going to be more pressure when you get there, I'm now ready for it. And at 25, it's mm. for you, Jack, I feel like the timing is absolutely mm. perfect. You know, like you will be next year ready to, I'm not saying be more serious in your personality because you, you, you'll continue like you are, but you need to be ready, don't you? When you step in, mm. when you put, when you zip that, that, those factory leathers up for the first time, it's like, right, now it's, it's full on business, isn't it? And yeah, 100%. I think, I think it's know, not great. That, not, not that it hasn't been, but um, like you say, I think uh, you touched on it there. The timing is absolutely perfect. You know, I've done my apprenticeship. I've uh, been and worked. And, you know, I started from the bottom at Honda. Things didn't really work out but the best there. You know, I ended up trying a different route. And then again, I started from the bottom in Ducati. And year by year, I've been able to prove myself. And, you know, next year is going to be the ultimate test, I think, of, uh, of me proving myself. But like you said, the timing is just perfect. I think I'm, I'm, you know, I definitely wasn't ready for this two years ago, even though you like to think you were. You know, I think I needed a lot more learning. And uh, I'm still going to have, you know, a lot more to learn. But I think um, I'm at the point now where I can take the positives or, or the extra pressure that you've got there, but also the extra, the things you get in the factory team, which, uh, which help you perform at the next level. I think I'm actually going to be able to use it now rather than, you know, in a, a, you know, two years ago or something like that. I'm intrigued mm. to know, did you watch the Dovi documentary, the Red Bull, the, the one that he did? I, Tommy's just, looking at me now. I've got uh, my assistant, Tommy, he come up here. We've got to go to the, uh, coronavirus test and that on Friday so he's come down a little early and he spun around because he sent the link to me the other day and <laughs> said have you um have you watched this and I said no and I it was hard we pulled up for like a coke or something like that um we were out cycling and I was like started watching probably watch about I don't know 10 minutes of it not even and you know just sort of fast forward flick through it a little bit 
and just watching it, how um, he's very brash, I think is the word you could use, you know, very uh, quite uh, tense in the box with a lot of the boys and stuff like that, just, my, just from browsing over it, you know, I haven't sat down and watched it properly. Yeah, well, the thing, the thing that comes, I think you learn as much about Ducati and how the, the factor, how the thinking is of, of some of the, the top brass uh, in Ducati. I think you find out a bit more about that and, and what comes through in it just to, to, for those people who haven't seen it necessarily at home as well, is, and I think we've talked about it here on the podcast before, because we, we both were quite fascinated by it, was that from Dovi, they love the fact that he's this guy who can bring home the results and all these kinds of things, but they wanted more, uh, uh, how would you describe it, Neil? They wanted more excitement. From well, they wanted, they wanted, they wanted yeah. to risk more. They wanted this risk. And it's, I just wondered, because it, it's almost like they're, they're trying to find that person who will, it will take on Marquez basically and will take on Marquez with the, the risk factor necessary. And I wondered if that was anything that had been in the conversations between you, yourself and, and Ducati of this is what we're sort of expecting from you or is that to come? It's, I think, yeah, I think, like you say, that's to come. Um, I think that's not really a, a phone call sort of a conversation. No, I think that's more no. sit down at that big, big round table and, uh, <laughs> copper hiding from everyone and tell you what you need to be doing. So uh, I'm, I'm sure that's on its way. But um, I think, you know, I, I think they've been looking for that for a while. Um, like you say, I think that is the, the main thing that they are looking for is somebody to, to try and take on Mark. And um, like we've seen, you know, Mark's able to step, step up and step up and step up um, with all the things that come. And I think you need that sort of – they're looking – they don't want someone to throw it away every weekend, but they want someone who gamble the chips, let's say, a little bit yeah. more. I, I think is the is the big thing. You know, they've been their safe option a, a lot through the last couple of years, and you know it's been great for them. They've had victories, and and you know what was it last four years in a row or three years in a row, runner up in the championship. Yeah. But uh, I think their their ultimate goal for sure, with what they've invested and and the work that they have put in. You know, just talking to Crouch before, I mean. Name another manufacturer that's turned their bike around as much as Ducati have since, say, 2013-14. I mean, nobody's made no one. changes like that. Or, or since, or imagine what they've done. They've done it almost two or three times since Stoner's Day. We're talking about Australia exactly. had success in, in Ducati Red. And obviously, there's that, that's a, a lovely tie-in there of where they previously had success. But if you think where that bike was... And where they were looking at carbon fiber swing arms and that sort, and then Rossi made one switch, and then it's gone on another evolution again. It's amazing what they have done. That bike yeah, has been turned upside down, inside but, out. Yeah, I mean uh, the variations of it. I mean, like you say, you put it side by side to um, to uh, Stoner's sort of championship winning bike, and uh, I mean, nothing's, was, the it, it only, <laughs> nothing's the same. Nothing's the same. Is the black things on the bottom, you know, the things that they can't change. The rest of it is just, there's not one thing that's even remotely close to it. So I think. And even then, they were bridge the <laughs> Yeah, exactly. You think yeah, the versions yeah. that have been in between that, too. Ta so it's, uh, Jack, it's then, pretty. T tell us what the 2020 bike's like. Obviously, you, you did all the pre season testing. We know no one's raced yet, but is that a step step forward? I believe so. I believe so. The bike itself, um, I'm afraid we won't really get to see the full potential of it at these first couple of rounds because, you know, they're quite 
tight technical sort mm. of tracks. But the thing is, an absolute ballistic missile. Once you get it up and going, it is unreal. Like in um, in uh, in Qatar, you know, getting it wound up on Australia. I mean, I topped the speed trap in all three day, all three days in uh, in Malaysia, and all three days in the. Uh, in, in the Qatar test, and I'm no by stretch of the imagination the lightest guy. I've got a good aerodynamic package with AGB and Dionese, which really tie in well with the vibe. But the thing, like, I've come past the Suzuki and I almost blew the stickers off Renz's bike. Like, it's ridiculous. And what was your speed? And, uh, what, was, what was the fastest you went? Well, I think in the fastest was in Qatar, and I want to say it was like around 353 or 356, something right. like that. Yeah, but Which is that's going. Yeah. But look, what does I it feel like guy, at that speed though now? Like is, off me. Right. Really? Is no. it is the bike Jack, is the bike really stable now because of all the wings or or not? Not so much the wings. Uh, I don't think, you know, the wings help a little bit for the wheelie and stuff like that, but the bike itself is in terms of chassis wise, I think the the, the turning it's still got that Ducati characteristic, which you know we know how it is. You got to ride around it. You got to make different, let's say, a little bit different lines. Call them sort of Ducati lines, where you sort of try and spend the least amount of time on maximum lean angle as possible. Because once you're there, you sort of can't really get the thing to come around. But in terms of like the stability in the fast corners, like the fast three corners, and um, you know where you really get this a one line, you got to be quite precise with your line in Qatar was able to do what I, you know, lap by lap, you know, even with a little moment or something like that, we be able to catch it back and keep the bike straight and keep this corner speed there. And, um, yeah, tyre wear, which is another massive factor nowadays, you know, um, uh, trying to keep the maximum in the tyre, especially in the rear tyre. It seemed to be really good in the rear tyre. Like, uh, even though you've got a lot of horsepower, you're still able to, to put the power down nicely. But does the yeah, bike feel heavy, be, does Jack? Because it seems long and low, and there's wings. Is, coming, it, there's it, a wing. There's a wing off everything, isn't there? You know what I mean? Like <laughs> to change no, it is, direction, it, is, it just look. It, it gives me arm pump looking at it. You know what I mean? It is. Uh, you know, it is a bit of a pig when you get in um, corners, like in Texas, for example, in the first sector there, when you go back to back, change directions really fast and generally off gas. Um, then it is a bit of a handful, you know. If you can use the gas to sort of help you to change directions, mm. it's not bad. You can sort of like sort of half slide it and get it to high side itself over a little bit. Sounds easy. It, that, <laughs> it is. It is. Yeah. <laughs> like in in Malaysia, for example, from turn two to three, you really use that, and that was a technique sort of like I picked up when I was riding a Honda. It was something that Casey was a specialist through there, and Mark mm. worked out as how to get the bike over quickly in a corner like that. And it's basically you use the rear tire to sort of step out and half high side you over and you use that rather than your arms so much. But then in corners where you go in really fast and you're off brake and sort of decelerating and trying to change directions, then it's a... It's heavy. You don't have any extra help. It's, it's heavy. It is heavy. I remember quite thoroughly last year in uh, Texas coming for my first podium. Uh, <laughs> The last couple of laps, you go through that first sector, and every time you go in there, you're... <laughs> <laughs> it's just everything you had. Just come on, stay on track. 
Uh, so obviously, Herefi is going to be the first one. How much? How much are you looking forward to getting back in the saddle of the bike? Yeah, um, you know, it's been it's been too long. Um, even the other day, you know, uh, last Friday we went with a few of the boys. It just sort of turned out to be one of those days. I mean, um, Vinales and uh, I think Arbelino was there. We I had Tiber with me, and there was a few few of us boys just rocked up. We all ended up at Alcaraz. Um, uh, riding just street bikes and, uh, you know, just to catch up with just a few people here and there, it was just a cool feeling. Uh, I think that's the biggest thing is missing is, you know, it's your family, your home away from home. And it's been my home for, well, since 2012. So um, you do miss that sort of thing. But I mean, the competition side of things you miss the most is just going and getting that, uh, I don't even know what you call it, just that fix almost mm. of going racing. You know, it's the big thing that you miss. And uh, the idea of doing battle, you know, normally we're doing battle every, pretty much every Sunday, every second Sunday throughout the year. So it's it's kind of weird to be, you know, since uh, November last year, we haven't been able to do that. So, um, And did it get um, silly though? When you, you turn up at Alcaraz then, and there's a load of obviously professional bike racers there, a few very fast ones. What happens when you're out on track? Because I can imagine what you're like. I bet you up the inside of people. It was good, but and then you throw a few like uh, hobby riders in there, you know, on some old GSXR 750 <laughs> and stuff like that. <laughs> and, and the poor bastards, someone fires it up the inside, then there's another one behind them, and they don't know where to go. So no mercy. No mercy uh, off you lot, uh, guarantee. <laughs> but uh, like the Ducati, the standard Ducati is an absolute weapon. Like the thing mm. is, a, that is, is, you know, for engine characteristic and stuff like that, the thing is just a tall monster. Oh, gee, I reckon you'd have a lot of fun on my own. Oh, uh, yeah. But um, just running the Moto2 tyres because they're quite hard and, uh, you know, you can get probably like 40 to 45, 50 laps out of them and they're the same on the first lap as they are. They're not fantastic, but they're just perfect. Consistent. And, uh, like, get out there with Maverick on the last last run of the day. You know, I'd, I'd just come in. I probably went and did eight laps, and I sat in the pit lane. We gassed her up, and he was sort of stood out in front. I said, go on, let's, let's go. And he, had, he just whacked in a couple of new tyres, so we went out together. And uh, <laughs> he goes, oh, I need a lap. I need a lap to uh, scrub these things in. And I said, yeah, yeah, no drama. So I followed him around for the first lap, and then, Sort of hard, the straight and Alcaraz is quite bumpy, and I'll come past him the Ducati with that single swing arm. I don't know how it was back in your day, but they get a bit of a move on. And then at the end of it, like my thing was just the tire was toast on the back of it. You're coming out of the corner, power sliding into wheelie after this fellow Gary McCoy. It was unreal. Just <laughs> Maverick and I probably done 15, 16 laps together, just going like that. And it was like the best it was as close to being in a MotoGP race as, as I felt in a very long time and it felt unreal you know just a, like both him and I we went out there the last run and bang lap times were down like nearly a second from what we were doing all day you know <laughs> everyone just gone yep yeah let's go you know all day you could play oh front's a bit soft and this that the other that all goes out the window and you just sort of go back to pinning it and the boys on the pit wall were just pissing themselves. It was pretty great. I don't know whether I'd just, rather I don't know whether I'd rather my most GP riders do motocross or out on track together doing that. <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if I'm a team manager. I'm, uh, either way, I'm watching through the cracks in my fingers. 
Hey, I wish we got our ca cameras there. That would have been good if we got oh, the BT cameras there. That unreal. would have been entertaining. Because, like you say, you throw a few back markers in there that you've got to slice through <laughs> and that, and it, it brings the gaps in a little bit. You know, someone will be getting a little bit in front, and then instantly, I think we should have them at MotoGP, you know, make the racing more exciting. <laughs> Do you know what I well, love? Actually, when we look back, we did obviously the greatest years and we did all these old races from the past and the, the back markers played a, a part in them every now and then, didn't they? Like when we went back to Rainey's era and there yeah. were a couple of times and this back markers, you're sort of thinking, when we do not get that anymore. <laughs> yeah, there's, no, there's exactly. No. I mean, if someone's getting lapped, there's something going wrong, you know? Yeah. Whereas back in the day, you know, it could be Joe Blow who's done a couple of national championship races and he reckons, yep, I'm going to do a wild card. So it's, the times have changed. That's hey, I love how you say, though, when you slide in, doing a Gary McCoy, because I always say that if you do a slide about something, you go, oh, my God, I was full on Gary McCoy. I tell you what, that <laughs> I was just boy, going full Gary McCoy. Especially when it goes from slide, slide to wheelie. It's like a, it goes like that combination. It just instantly you go, that was McCoy-esque if I've ever yeah. it. That was it. He was so entertaining it's a, to watch. It's, under, it's undescribable, isn't it? The feeling, you yeah. see what I do with every lap, but I mean, I wouldn't be doing every lap on a 500, I don't think. But I, I remember watching Gary McCoy, right? And I used to say when I was watching it, I, I'd go, why don't the, the director should just focus on McCoy? Just let's watch McCoy because this is mental. And this is better than anything that's going on. Yeah, better than any race. Let's watch McCoy control it. That takes... Yeah, he had watch some talent in Gary McCoy. You could watch him the whole day. I mean, you could just sit yeah. there and watch him. For example, turn four of Barcelona, the last three corners of Philip I reckon I could sit there all day and watch yeah. I think there were times I remember him on the on the Kawasaki. It's on the Kawasaki, it felt like he was, you know, he knew he was never gonna do anything. He was just like, right, I'm just gonna have as much fun as possible. I mean, Barcelona was one in particular round three and round four. And you just thought, oh, Gaz is just there, just chucking in a few slides for the cameras. That's what he's come for. He's making it interesting for everyone. The, um, no, exactly. I don't think, uh, well, put it this way, I remember last, uh, last year in the winter test in, in Valencia after the Grand Prix, they sent me out and something happened. Like it was only going out for the practice starts. And um, look, the, they said, listen, everything's working. Like launch control, that's working. So you can go out and do your practice stuff. You just haven't got any wheelie or traction. Something's going on. We've got a bug in the thing and you've got no wheelie or traction. And I say, oh, yeah, I'll just, you know, go slow around. And in my mind, I'm instantly thinking, oh, I'm going to get this thing so lit up. It's not even going to be funny. And I literally came out onto that little like back sort of straight kink in Valencia. And I was like, yeah, right, I, here we go. Gaz is coming out. And I cracked into it. And I was like, what are you doing? Went to light up. And the thing just went, what? As soon as it just, the RPM came up so quick. And I was like, and it went straight from that to that. And I was like, oh, I am not doing that again. That's not <laughs> I just now. I was just like, boy, high side, high side man, just destroy this brand new bike and the boys would be really oh. stuck. Was it a case? Oh, I don't know. I just forgot. You got back uh, quick, hand the leathers over because <laughs> yeah. they, they need to clean. <laughs> Had to waddle in. Yeah. Uh, the old classics, the old classics. Have you ever done anything like that, though? Have you ever crashed, like, doing something stupid and, and had to come in and just do the old-fashioned? Lie the old fashioned 
Well, I, I don't know what happened, you know, but actually you were looking over your shoulder or something weird happened. I remember they, um, the first Moto3 they bought to Valencia at the end of uh, 2011. I did like the last three races in 125s and uh, was signed up with that Italian team for the next day. And they gave us, it was the production, like what they're using in the uh, Talent Cups now. Same thing. And yeah. um, that production Honda. And coming off a, a 125, you got no engine brake, nothing like that. And it was basically like, go out and do five laps. And uh, <laughs> it was wet in Valencia and every corner coming into us. And I'm like, this is the greatest thing ever going down one gear too many every time. This is fucking unreal. And yeah, I end up tucking the front. I remember that one. Oh, it was just slippery. But the bloke before me had crashed already. So I was like, oh, it's just my voice out there. <laughs> I knew exactly what I did wrong. Yeah. I thought you were going to say you blew the engine up by downshifting one too many. <laughs> no, I was in the wet, so it was just compression mocking. It wouldn't even go yeah, up yeah. the RBFG. It was like, in the corner. And I felt hey, like what, I was riding super motor. One, one thing I do miss, and there's lots of reasons why me and Gav want to see Jack Miller win races. But one thing I miss more than anything is your goon riding when you used to win on the Moto3. It was like you were the only man who would do it. Just to explain what goon riding is, it was basically my, copying my sort of weird riding style. It's like leaning the opposite way. Riding just like you see motocross riders do it a lot. It's quite common, isn't it? Like a, a Ronnie Mike impression. Yeah. But exactly. you would honestly, when you used to goon ride on a, on a slowing down lap, some of them images of you doing that. I remember one in, uh, I think it was Texas, where you were like going around in circles just with your knee down, yeah. all led the wrong way. So funny. Can, can you promise me, Jack, you, we, we see some more of them in the future? It still, it still comes out every now and then. The problem is I'm generally too far back, so the cameras are never on. That's the problem. But uh, don't worry, it's still happening. But uh, I think uh, if we can get some decent results, it'll come back. But... Uh, the problem is, you see, OG is like, as I've gotten older and gotten on the bigger bikes, my style sort of turned into a little bit of a cross <laughs> between a, a, let's say, like your style of sitting more on top of the bike and, and yeah. especially an entry to the corner, I sort of stay very central and, you know, almost like a mick as well, where my ass almost looks like it's about to touch the ground, for example. I'm going yeah. to see it in Perez in turn one. I don't know what it is there in turn one with the uphill and how it works. My ass just hangs off and I see photos and I go, what is that? That is atrocious. But it's just, it, the problem is on the MotoGP, but you haven't got time to even think about how you're riding or what you're looking like. And yeah. You're just trying to duck as quick as possible. You're just uh, hanging on, aren't you? Yeah, exactly, exactly. You're just, just, just hanging on. I'm trying to think where you, we saw your style. I think it might have even been Argentina last year in commentary. I'm going... Look at Jack Miller, like you could not hang off anymore. Like you say, your backside was literally, I'd say, about an inch, maybe two inch off the ground. It, 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 you've definitely yeah. got your own riding style, haven't you? Yeah, exactly. Well, it's sort of like, like it's a combination, I like to think. Of between, I do do a lot with my legs, like a lot of movement, let's say, with my ass. You know, I hang my ass quite, off quite a bit. Whereas a lot of guys will stay sort of central. If you watch a lot of the Yamaha guys, they'll stay really central with the bike and move more with the shoulders. But with the Ducati, especially with how you've got to ride it, you want to try and get the thing off the edge of the tire as quick as possible. And the quickest way for me to do that is have 
half my body already out and just try to get yeah. the thing up as quick as possible. And usually, you ride, I feel I ride a lot with my feet sort of weight in the pegs, especially your outside peg to sort of get the thing to stand up. So mm. I don't think um, it's just, I, I feel it's just the bike you're on, you sort of adapt the way you ride it. You know, and is that, does, that come from, does that come from you or is there someone spotting saying, oh, have you seen, or is it from you watching sure or, or testing? Where does it come from, this? It comes from that, but more it comes from you. You sort of understand what's working and what's not, you know. It's just sort of trial and error, I guess you can say. That's one of the things we do when we're testing, you know, is you go, you, as a rider, you go out and you try different things or you try to try different things and, and find out what's working better and what's another thing is just putting over, you know, uh, let's say how much you're expelling, you know, the most, especially with how physically, like I say, you try and do it the most user friendly way for the rider, you know, so you're not overworking your ass. I mean, you can do it for the one or two laps, but that you need to for quality, but in general, what is going to be the quickest way to get this thing working throughout the race without expelling so much energy? What about bloody Maverick Vignales as weird heart rate? What is that all about, Jack? <laughs> the guy's a Have snake, you... I think. He might be half snake or something. What's going on, though? I just it makes no sense to me. He doesn't believe it. Hodgie won't have it. I'm, I'm like... Well, he, we're he coming up he's tampered with it. I think he's got to have tampered with it because he can be in the middle of a bloody... in the middle of a, a qualifying lap and, like, the same heart rate monitor I was using last year, so it's like a, a small one, and it goes sort of around your arm here, and that's all it is, just the monitor. And I was using it already previous, like the guys asked me, hey, do you want to put it on? I said, yeah, well, I've already been using it. Like, okay, you can use mine, so they just go off the, um, the Bluetooth signal. They put a thing on the bike that gets the Bluetooth signal. And I said, yeah, no, no dramas. Um, I've already been using it, but I was looking at it already in the start, of, like midway through the year when Vanilla started getting it coming up, and I'm thinking there's something wrong with his because like, I've never seen 200 on mine, but I'll see in the qualifying lab, or like, I've never seen my heart rate go over 200 doing VO2 tests, whatever. Never seen uh, 200, and I'll get like 192, 193 on the qualifying lap, and then I'm looking at him and he's 86, <laughs> 87, 90. I'm thinking there's some fucking wrong here. It's it, it's it's so wrong. That said, I've got to say, Jack, me and Gav have sat watching some of your qualifying laps, especially in the wet when you've got slicks on, <laughs> and our heart rate is like near two hundred. God, you've entertained <laughs> us with some of them laps, mate. That takes that takes some proper bollocks, I tell you. My <laughs> God, unreal though. Uh, the problem is, is once you've done it, you get a reputation, and you're the first one that they look to. So then you sort of got you got to fill this reputation. You got to like, uh, yeah, 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 no, 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 I got this. So you feel like you, you have to. You feel obliged. I've got about it. Give the fans what they want. Okay, it's what is it? Look, who's going to be first out on the slicks? I'll go on then. Muggins here. <laughs> yeah, I'll go. Be me again, eh? But it's honestly, paid off. It's, 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 it's like yeah, it has. It's like it's like that sometimes though, because you sit there and you think it's like it's like Argentina aside. There's been a lot of moments where I put this had to put the slicks on a lot earlier than other guys, and I haven't seen the reason why they're still going out on wets or even like you see guys go out on new ones and you think why are you wasting a set of new wet tires? Like 
the thing is pretty much dry. There's a couple of streams across, you know, Australia or something like that. That's it. Argentina was, that was another ballpark. That was, you know. That was I just wrong. I had, I, that was I just wrong. I had to lie in it. That was it. <laughs> God. That was it. You did it to yourself. That's what I was thinking to myself. <laughs> what, I loved, what I loved about it, though, what I loved about it was, Jack, obviously, it's your qualifying lap. And you've got like three quarters of the way around, but you get into the wet part and probably internally, you know, I'm definitely up. I'm up. This is like a good lap. I've just got to survive these wet sections. But you, it was like you got all the warnings and you had the biggest slides and it was just like anyone normal, I'm sure I'd have gone, oh, that's, this is stupid. I'm done. But it was like, no, no, I think I've still got <laughs> this. this. The worst, bit, the worst bit about it, I thought, for the team as well, was that the transponders, for some reason, dropped off the timing screens at the same time. So it was, you'd had all the moments, they everyone thought, ah, oh, Jack's given up, doesn't matter. And then suddenly he's across the line and he's done it. <laughs> I'm probably thinking, oh, he's trying the bin. you got to fix the booby here or not, fixing his bike. <laughs> yeah. But uh, no, that, was, uh, that was something special. I don't think I could, but, you know, that was one time, where it worked out for me. I've had many, many, many times where it hasn't worked out for me. And that was the one few times where, it, you know, where you could go, oh, that was all right, you know. But it was worth it. It was 100% worth it. It, it, it was. Worth it was. Prior to it, oh. you know, it's just... All right, it's just worth it for you. It's today, thinking about it. It's worth it for you social distancing at the front of the grid. It was worth it for the, for the crowd <laughs> as well, getting behind that thing, you. That thing comes back... <laughs> I just remember FedEx when we were stood there on the grid alone and FedEx, the press officer from uh, Pramac, was like, This is incredible. He was so psyched on it all. He's going, This is incredible. This will never happen ever again. <laughs> He's going, This is the best. <laughs> the best bit, honestly, and for like me, I've had... been down there was the, was the crowd. Because everyone else was being booed to to high heaven, and and Jack was suddenly the Argentine hero. He was like this I, kind I became of became Argentinian that day. Exactly, yeah. it was Diego Maradona was back, and he was in the form of Jack Miller on the front of the yeah, grid. Also, this is where I think you're different to a lot of the other riders. You didn't let it praise you. You still saw the funny side. It was just, it was, because obviously we're down on the grid so we can see your face and what's going on. And you're, you're just like, I don't know. It's like, this is MotoGP. This is the absolute pinnacle of motorcycle racing. And this bizarre things happen. And you're there having fun at the front of the grid. I just loved it. Stood on the pegs, giving it with your arms to the crowd. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, going, Where are you? What are you doing? Yeah. Superb. Uh, I'm pissed anyway because I mean, if they had done it what it was supposed to be done, like and everyone stuff, you'd have won that race. You would. You would. You would. I wouldn't have won on the uh, on the win list. I'd have two at least, but it'll come. Uh, hey, that, come. that I'm gonna say that one in Assen. That exactly that one in Assen though, um, and it came in your time. You talked about it at Honda. And it wasn't an easy time because what for starters you're on a customer Honda, and that was. Uh, not not the friendliest bike to come into MotoGP when you've skipped Moto2 on. But you think that victory, um, however uh, unpredictable it was and however much it really wasn't a, a litmus test of, of how things were going for you at the time, but do you think it not saved you, but it, it meant that you were right in that shop window of people saying, however tough things are, there's something there, already, there's something in Jack. Like, 
that's the time, like, that was probably, I want to say it was getting probably, that was probably the lowest of the lowest prior to that weekend. I was just having conversations with, like, uh, leather suit companies, helmet companies, you know, personal sponsors, and they're going, you know, we can't keep paying you what we have been. We're going to have to, you know, cut back the results. Just aren't showing for what we're paying and this sort of thing. And you're sitting there going, this isn't the way it's supposed to be going. Not at, you know, whatever I was, 22 or 23, 22 I think at the time. I'm still young. Like my career is still meant to be going up. And at the moment, it's sort of starting to go down here. This ain't good. And then, like, I'm, I remember to this day, like, that night, I'm thinking, you know, if I'm getting all these pay cuts and everything, I'm not going to be able to have this great motorhome that I had in the paddock and stuff like that. I'm thinking, I was there. I honestly, to this day, I took photos of the motorhome and I was like, you know, I'll keep these for an, an old man and can look back on and, Brilliant. yeah, things change the next day. I remember that. Yeah. And how cool is that? How cool is that, though? Yeah. It's like a slide indoors moment, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. It, it, it really like, is, though. Know, yeah, yeah. That was that was pretty oh. surreal, you know. And 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 having done the the leap from from Moto Three straight into MotoGP, um, I remember at the time the it was the year after we talked about it with Danny Kemp. We talked about it with other riders in the past about the possibility of doing it. Would you recommend it to to any kids who might get the opportunity? Um. I mean, if you, I, I think if you believe in yourself enough and you've got enough, you know, it, it's it's a tough road. Don't get me wrong, but I wouldn't do it for me. I wouldn't do it any other way. Um, it's sort of another thing, you know. You made your bed, you lie in it, and uh, that 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 was that was the way I sort of approached it. And I wouldn't change it for me. But I know I, there was points when you start sort of saying, hey, maybe a bit bit off, maybe a little bit too much than I can chew. But um, uh, I think, you know, there was a lot of times you just had to sit down, knuckle down and go, right. And it's just a lot of studying and a lot of willpower, I guess you could say. Self-belief is another thing, I guess. Is, uh, That's the hard that thing, it's will, right, yeah. Jack. That's the hard thing because it, it turned into being then a long journey and you had to keep mm. telling yourself, you can do this. You will get there. You know what I mean? But like, yeah. like you said, by year two, year three on that Honda, and it doesn't get easier. There's no easy weekends. You don't just turn up and all of a sudden your bike's loads better. It's just not, is it? And you've yeah. got to keep the bike thinking, no, I can do crazy. this. The bike was great. Like one of the, probably the most physical bike I rode. And the thing is with the Honda, every time I would start pushing on it and or get a decent feeling I'd crash and like mm. just your confidence takes a knock every time and you're hearing this from here this from here and you know you're trying to still have self-belief let's say and it's hard when everyone's just at you knocking you down trying to it, the thing is you just gotta I, I guess the biggest thing for me was just be able to you know not take on the negativity and just focus on my, my ultimate goal and, you know uh, looking back at it, I mean, in the end, I sort of arrived. I guess where I would have arrived um, in, in the in the time. I, well, you know, you never know which way it would have went if I went to Moto Two. But uh, mm. in the end, I've, I've now made it, and it's nice to look back on. I think the uh, the challenges that we went through and everything like that has made me the person I am today. And I think yeah. uh, if it had all come too easy, I don't think I'd be this the, the same bloke. 
that I am today. No, character, no, it's that, definitely character building, isn't it? To, yeah. to go through something yeah, like that. Not. And the amount of times that, Neil, you've said about riders, that it's actually in the, the dark days, in the tough days when you're up against it, that, that you then, those days come back, they're valuable when you're in the better mm. days because you know when you're up against it that you've got the metal. Exactly, mm. but that's, I don't think that's something, that's a side of racing that I always feel like the fans don't quite understand because all they see is that you're racing motorcycles, you're racing in MotoGP, dream job, everything's great, you're getting paid. But those dark nights, they're, they're, long, they're, they're a long, lonely night on your own in your motorhome, you know, lying there thinking, yeah. I've had my ass kicked again and again. And like, like, you, like you said, Jack, you start building a bit of confidence and then you took the front and you don't understand why because the bike didn't give you the feedback. So then... Then you start, it, the, the, the horrible thing is, it's when that voice in your head starts telling you, actually, maybe you can't cut it at this level. And it's nothing to be ashamed exactly. of. It's a, it's, it's a pretty high level. You know, it's, you're not at a local yeah, good race we, meeting, you know, you're we, in MotoGP. When you put your whole life to this one thing, or you want to be a motorcycle racer, and then, you know, and all your life you sort of, you know, people tell you it's hard and that, but they can always tell you, you know, you'll, you'll get it, you know, if you work hard enough and that, that, that. And then, you know, then it gets to the, you're there and then you're just not making it and you think, this is, this is tough now. Like you say, so you, your whole life you've been telling yourself, if I got up there, you know, I'd be able to do that. And, and then you think, have I just been full of it the whole time? So you just, it's, it's a, that's a tough one. But uh, that's what, I think that's what makes racing so special. You know, it's the, mm. it's the ups and the downs. And uh, uh, funnily enough, this is, this, you know, sport is full of them, full of them. Yeah, yeah, and that's you so just, true. And you come, you come now, Jack, into this 2020 season, nine months after the, the end of the last one, which is a bit bizarre anyway, but you've had all this time back in Oz, back at home actually with your, with your folks, with, with Pete and Sonia, your, your parents, who are two of the best characters in the paddock that we've got anyway. And if you want to know why Jack's like he is, then uh, you just have to meet uh, Pete and Sonia to, to find that's out. That's too loud. <laughs> I'm yeah. like, I'll be getting some stick-offs on you for this. I guarantee you, if you were ever to hear it. But um, my, my, my point in that is that you were, you were a good egg just in, in that side of things. But how has that been, spending all that time there? You, you look busy out in the backyard over, over the last few months. Has it kept you sharp, yeah. though, in terms of physically getting ready for, for the start of the year? Definitely. I mean... Um... Don't get me wrong, I wasn't out every day on the on the bicycle or whatever, you know, I'd still get up and do my runs or, or go on the bike or whatever when I felt like it. But I mean, I was, I knew we weren't going back racing for a long time. I knew, and I've done it, I do it in the off season every year, just have my break and then I come back and do my camp and sort of get myself in shape and get ready to go. But I'm sort of an ADHD sort of a bloke anyway, so I never sit still and, you know, I was out working i was got through so many projects that you know stuff that i've been wanting to do for such a long time and just never had the time or you know when you're there it's such a limited window that you're there that you don't really want to be doing shitty little old jobs but you know pouring concrete slabs working on the farm fixing up you know farm equipment stuff like that motorbikes building tracks building my own tracks or building neighbors tracks you know we all got farms around us and we've all got tracks so just you know fix them up and then go ride on you know just stuff that i always did as a kid and you know it's the most i've been in oz in the last uh 10 years 
and even just because most of the time I go back there where I am in North Queensland, it's when I normally go back in summer, it's like Malaysia, you know, it's 30, 36, 37 degrees in the day, but not only that, you've got 90% humidity pretty much every day. And it was nice to sort of get into winter. I know it sounds strange, but like winter's beautiful. It's 29, 30 degrees in the day, no humidity. 16, 17 degrees at night. You don't have to sleep with the aircon on. You sleep with the windows open. It's just unreal. And just to see that side of and like I got to go away once the restrictions and all that sort of went down. I got to go away with um, with Billy and and um, and uh, another mate of mine, and we went and met uh, Toby Price, the Dakar rider, and a couple of mates from down south. We sort of met in the middle, and we just went away camping for the weekend with buggies and stuff. Like that. Just stuff that I grew up doing in Australia. And I haven't been able to do for such a long time just to get back and do it, you know, sleep in a swag and, and you know, sit around and talk shit around the campfire. And so I was just unreal, you know, just I really, as bad as it sounds, I, I felt like that was, a, a, I enjoyed the, the break. I, I made the most out of it. But uh, for sure, the whole time I'm thinking, fuck, I'd love to go racing. But I really feel like it's, I mean, how many professional in, in whatever sport there is, get to take a, a nine-month break in, the, in their prime of career, you know, in the middle of their career. Um, and I really feel like it's just charged my batteries. I feel mm. definitely more keen, more eager and more focused. It gave me time to sort of step back and focus on what, what I want again and, and set, set some goals. So it's it definitely pretty cool. That's good to hear. No, That's brilliant. good to hear. Yeah, hopefully it has charged your batteries and got you uh, ready and raring. We can't wait for it. Um, and uh, yeah, hope, I think it will be the making of some people and uh, it could well be. You know, as you I think it will be for you, Gav. Next year. I yeah. feel like you were just going a little bit stale. You've been in the paddock a long time. Start, you were looking tight. <laughs> you were looking tight. looking material. <laughs> yeah, tired and a bit weathered. Yeah, you need to work on your lines. So I think, well, I think, I, Jack. Seriously, I think, I think we're going to see the new. We, we'll see the new Gavin Emmett. You know, when the, the season starts. Well, I have been on the phone to Claudio Domenicali. Uh, sent him a couple of messages here and there. If they need someone, <laughs> just before. Yeah, you know, the, just uh, chuck one in. What's happening for this year? Well, I say, you know, the Lord, the pubs were shut while we were all off because imagine how we all would have turned out then. At least, you know, a lot of people got to go and spend time with their families and stuff like that. Things that they haven't done before. It's kind of weird, wasn't it? The amount of people yeah. in the paddock who have uh, seen their families for the first time for the longest time ever. That's, I'm speaking to the boys. They're like, uh, you know, everyone, like one of my mechanics has just had a new newborn. And the uh, Tommy Fonseca's had a newborn as well, and they're both both second child. So then you imagine check second child syndrome, crying all night, and they're like, "We cannot wait to go away <laughs> racing again. We just get a good night's sleep." About people you do speak to at races who say that they come to racing to have their sleep because there's a child at home or whatever. It's bad. It's Colin brutal. Edwards used to be like that a bit, didn't he? Yeah. Colin, Colin used to, Colin be like, I'm just, I mean, obviously he gets on really well with his wife, but he's like, oh, it's just nice to get away. You know I, think, I, mean? I think it's more, I think it's more Alicia, his missus saying, get out of here. I can't get out, you're doing me head. Exactly. Head. exactly. I can see why he does the TV now and then, you know, he just needs that, you know, weekend away. 
I guess he gets yeah. to come and hang out with a couple of average blokes. I mean, they're all right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, well Keith, average. <laughs> Keith's great. M Love is fantastic. So you'll be all right with You'll be all right with them. Yeah. Right. I reckon it's quick fire because we don't want to keep him much longer because we've already had him for. Sorry, we've stretched our time with you, but we. We wanted Can't to speak to you as much as we could. So I've got a little quick fire round for you, Jack. So I want to know who was your biking hero when you were growing up? Uh, probably it's a hard one between Ricky Carmichael and Chad Reed because I was pretty biased between the two. I mean, whoever was winning at the time, I take them. I love Ricky because I rode Suzuki's, but uh, I love Chad because he's Australian. And I mean, I was always a Supercross kid. I never. Yeah. I never really watched road racing too much. You know, I always knew, of course, of Mick and, and Casey and those guys, but I never really watched too much. I was always focused on being a dirt bike rider, but then when I worked yeah. there, I wasn't the flashest of that. I'm like, oh, I'll give this other thing a go. I'll go right on this. Did you shed hey, a tear? Ricky. And then, of course... Chad, Chad hanging, up then, his, uh, hanging up his gloves at the end of uh, the season? Yeah. Yeah, it was uh, it was pretty emotional. You know, I called him and uh, had a chat. You know, that's one of the coolest things is growing up watching him as a, and being able to go to so many races once to, you know, got older and, and befriended Chad and to be able to go and just be a part of it and watch him. And, I mean, the dude is, is nuts. I mean, um, I was fortunate enough to go and stay at his place when he was in Florida and uh, do a couple of weeks and so riding there and training with them and just spending time with them and you can see why the guys uh you know two-time supercross champion i mean he's just his work ethic is, is is second to none i think and uh, uh he's had an amazing career i mean anybody who can stick around for that long is still in the world i know in that sport proper proper legend, exactly with so it? many injuries i mean we have injuries in yeah. our sport but those guys you know you pretty much guaranteed one a season pretty much you know and you gotta yeah. go through it so cool um I want to know what your drink of choice is. I remember seeing you, me and Gav, we were in Austin at going to the Red Bull party. I think it was 2014. And as we were, as we were going into the Red Bull party, you were being carried out like a roll of carpet. I think you had a little bit too much to drink. So I'm yeah, quite intrigued to know what, what's your drink of choice, Jack? Night. I still remember it this day. I said that night I won that second race in a row. And I said, don't worry about it, boys. Tomorrow I'm leaving on full bike. Well, will it be? The team goes, what's 4x4? Four four? I said, on four legs, on my hands and knees, man. I didn't even leave that. I went 66, so I got carried out. <laughs> got carried out. <laughs> then, then, drink of choice was probably, I'd say, Jack and Coke. I, you know, young, you want to drink the hard stuff, I guess you can say. But uh, nowadays, it's uh, I'm on the, well, they're not even midstream. It's hard super dry. It's kind of like a dry beer. Um, sort yeah. of like a Karun a little bit but a little bit lighter as well it's only about 3.5 it's a beautiful drop of beer at the moment oh. in summer I, I, I love how he's describing it a beautiful drop of beer Gav Gav had a little glint in his eye then <laughs> oh, you I've get, got a tear nothing better <laughs> nothing better when you're out on the boat it's like I said you know 35 degrees plus and you pull one of those bad boys out with beautiful cold esky and just <laughs> happy days unreal unreal Superb. love it Jack you've always been amazing at wheelies but who is the best in, the, in that paddock I want to know who's the wheelie king because 
obviously you're up there, but I, d- I don't know. Challenge you. Best, um, I reckon the best used to be. Um, I remember when I came in on the championship. Do you remember that? Uh, was Al Naimi? Oh yeah, Marshal Al Naimi. Yeah, he was a Qatari. He's it was a stunt rider. He was unreal, unreal. Like I remember, it was like my first Grand Prix as like a, a fill-in rider in eleven, and they, they back straight in Mizano, and he just what put it up to about there, and just had it there brrr, the whole straight. And I was like, that's that's pretty decent. Um, there's a few of them around. It's kind of hard nowadays with, to try and do it with all the stuff we've got on the bikes. At least. I know with the MR they got that party mode button. They're, exactly, they have a special I, button put in party the Party mode. Have, have you heard that? That was a Valentino request that's, by that's all what, accounts. It was that was it, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it, it's called they call it the party mode. And I just don't have the uh I haven't had the balls yet to send Gigi the message But have you been told off the teams not to wheelie Jack? Oh no, never. Never get told. No. Like um I always check with them, like with the Honda that I had in Moto Three, we couldn't um, we couldn't do it because couldn't do it too much because the oil pickup was in the front of the engine and the oil had run to the back. KDM was no dramas; it was like we couldn't go anywhere, uh, and the Honda and the Ducati are both no dramas. But uh, the Ducati, I tried every which way was Sunday to try and get the thing up and. Uh, you can either get it sometimes and you can't. It's hit and miss, and it can make you look like a fool sometimes too. <laughs> you, I remember after the podium last year in, uh, in Aragon, and they, Red Bull, Motorsports, and everyone put it on their Instagram. And I was like, jumped on the seat to do a stand on a seat wheelie. That thing came up about that high, and it was just a power stand for like the straight. And I was like, swing it off. I couldn't get up. I just looked like a fool. Brilliant. <laughs> I love it. Uh, last question. You're really good friends with Cal Critchlow. He appears to be like your best mate in the paddock, and I know he loves you. My question is, at the Australian Grand Prix coming up, the next one, on the last lap, it's between you and him. You're going into MG, he's in front of you, and you know the pass isn't on. If you go through, he's going down, and you'll win the Australian Grand Prix. What do you do, Jack? That's a hard one, Hodge. <laughs> if I know I'm going to win the Australian Rugby, I'm doing it. I'm sure he'd do the same. I'm sure he'd do the same. I mean, Good answer. Good answer. The British Grand Prix in the last corner there, and he, he knew he had the stuff here. I know he would. So, yeah. I think Fair it's, point. it's, you know, all spare and love and war. I'm glad you said that. And if it was the British, yeah. if it was a British Grand Prix, he'd feel like he was returning the favour, though, wouldn't he? Yeah, returning <laughs> yeah, the favour, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, you always got to bring that up, don't you, Thanks, mate. <laughs> well, you know, you've got to keep it spicy between you and Carl, haven't we? You don't want yeah, too much exactly. of a loving. <laughs> Is that your last uh, question, Neil? You know, have you got? That's a, I mean, yeah. Last question. I just. I, I, when are you bringing out the big? Ahead? When are you bringing out the big questions? When are you? Uh, do you know what? I just, there's no big ones today. They, that, they were my big ones, sorry. Usually there's sometimes some really big ones in there, but they weren't this time. Well, actually, I have, I have. The last question is, Gabs always says that he thinks he can beat you in an arm wrestle. Do you think he could? Do you think he could? For the state of the socks that he gets around in, you know them pink pants and socks that he gets around yeah. in, those flowery 
three coloured socks. I don't know about it, but I mean, I don't have the biggest arms going around. And uh, even with a few cups of courage under me, I still don't go very good. You, know, you wake up in the morning and your arms hanging off, and you think, oh. I definitely put too much into that arm wrestle last night. I didn't even win it. I'm not very good. I'm not very good, so I reckon he might have been. He's blew up the shoulders on the bloke. Look at him, though, Gav. He's like a machine, isn't he? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, well, we'll try it out. We'll try it out. when we, Well, actually, we'll, even if we're in the paddock, we wouldn't be able to try it out. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see what happens when we do get back racing, but we cannot wait guys, to see it. Are you guys going to be there, then? We're not going to be there for the first um, couple of races. Uh, well, first few, anyway, just because uh, of regulations and these kinds of things. There's only a certain amount of people per TV allowed in. and So uh, we're not going to be able to see you directly. What are they going to do? They're going to... Uh, we're going to be... Uh, we'll be covering it. Out? We'll be covering it, but yeah, we'll right. be doing it from the, from a studio. So uh, well, it's unfortunate, but we'll still be speaking to everyone as much as, as usual. Probably be pestering you. Uh, remotely, that kind of thing, but that's uh, all. Yeah, you know, you know, just nothing, no different to to normal anyway. I'm not real good. I'll be fine anyway. So I'm exactly. Now, so. Poor old Thomas will have to deal with all the shit. So yeah, we'll get Tommy on it. <laughs> uh, Jack, it's been great to speak to you. We wish you all the best for the start of the year, and we hope that it's uh, all that time back in Oz has paid off when the when the seasons gets going in in Hereth and and on through the year. Good and uh, just hope good you enjoy. Catch it. Up. I hope you enjoy it. I hope you get a bit of good yeah. riding in because that means you'll have uh, you'll have had a good day at the office. <laughs> yeah, top man. Exactly, top exactly. Man. Let's hope for some more doing riding. Nah, cheers, boys. Good Thanks luck. for the chat. It's been good. All right. Yeah, great to catch up. Cheers, Jack. Cheers, Jack. Cheers, Take care, mate. Brilliant, great to catch up. Honestly, I, and whenever I speak to him, my, my eyes water just from laughing because he, he just does make me laugh, the boy. He's, uh, yeah. he's, he's, a, he's a good lad. He's a nice kid as well. 25, as you said it, I think it was just spot on. Coming into the prime of his career, when we spoke to Bradley Smith, who's still only 29, you're saying that sometimes when people you know, hit their peak, but it's, it's late 20s. He's got the experience and you can hear that, can't you now? That he's even mm. taken this time out appreciating what he's got, appreciating having nine months off, appreciating where he's at. He's got a factory move on next year. And, and that, that's already a monkey off your back before this season proper starts, isn't it? To be able to just think, right, yeah. just get stuck in. It totally takes the pressure off. Imagine the riders that are going to go into Hare two weeks, it's two weeks away without that contract signed. No, there's only so many seats and very quickly the music stops and you, you don't want to be the last person standing. So for Jack not to have to worry about any of that, he can really get stuck into this year, enjoy it and also start to build some momentum to have a real crack at it, you know, in, in 2021 on the factory team, on possibly the best bike in the paddock because that Ducati just seems to get better and better, doesn't it? So, yeah, timing's obviously crucial. And we've, well, we've just what we've what he's grown up in front of our eyes, hasn't it? We've, we've seen him really mature. And we are, we're, we're, we're absolute lickers, aren't we? We just, we, we like him that much. We are proper fanboys. Yeah, yeah, without a doubt. I'm and not and really I'm not ashamed it. to admit it. <laughs> no, that I, not at all. You know, when people say, oh, who's your, who's your favorite MotoGP rider? Before they finish saying it, I always go, Jack Miller. You know what I mean? It's because it's just like, it's because he's never changed and you just want him to do well. Yeah, and uh, I'm I'm sure he'll have a, a great year. 
Um, and uh, he sounds fit, ready to go. Sounds like the bike's in a better place than perhaps we thought. Sounds like definitely. Yeah. So when we get to Austria, for example, or somewhere where it can really uh, let it sing, uh, mm. uh, we're really going to see see the best of that bike. Maybe not at Jerez and just wonder yeah. uh, some of the places we go, like Misano, uh, Valencia. You just wonder, uh, are there a few too many of those kinds of tracks in the ca calendar that we've got? But time will be... Mm. Uh, the 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 storyteller won't it in that one. We we'll yeah. just have to wait and see. Yeah, his big year though is not this year. You, now, you know what I mean? Like, now that he's got that and, deal and, done, if if he if, hadn't, that's what I mean. it would have been this year. Yeah, this year. Don't get me wrong. That doesn't mean he's gonna. He won't even think like that. But just being, you know, looking at it realistically, it's all about for Jack Miller what where he will be in his career, what will happen in his future, will be determined by how that season goes. Yeah, and we wish him all the best. So yeah, it's yeah. uh, it's exciting for him, exciting for us. We'll be racing soon enough uh, in MotoGP World Superbike uh, to follow soon after that. BSB will be back. It's going to be a, a summer into autumn, into winter that you're never going to forget because there's racing on non-stop, yeah. pretty much. Uh, so uh, we we are looking forward to it. We'll be back uh, with you very soon indeed. And uh, we'll also be covering the racing soon enough, too. Uh, so uh, I appreciate, we do appreciate, don't we, everyone who gets in touch. We appreciate all your comments and uh, we appreciate you all listening. If you do have any comments, anything like that, uh, at Neil Hodgson 100 is his Twitter handle. <laughs> so just send me. Uh, I thought you were going to give my email address out there. I was like, what? <laughs> yeah, his mobile is double seven. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, send him, or any abuse, basically, that you, you fancy. He loves that sort of thing. Uh, and uh, yeah, no, but, but we do. And any comments, any questions you got, we'll, uh, we'll try and answer them. So uh, thanks once again, Neil. Great to uh, catch up. Gav, I love you, man. See you later. Bye. Yeah. See you guys. Thank you. Ciao, ciao. <laughs>